Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 69. John and Wendy talk to Laura Mazzullo. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going tonight, John? I'm well. Can't believe it. The show is coming <laughs> out. Kind of a bittersweet time in our house. My, yeah. older, my older son, Jacob, is graduating high school tomorrow wow. when this show comes out. Yeah, it's hard to believe. <laughs> you know, some of you may remember Jacob was our first producer and edited the first, I think, six, if not seven shows, found us the show music, really helped get us off the ground. And then when school got super crazy, he showed the old man how to use audacity. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, exciting times. Kind of scary times. Yeah. Time marches on. Wendy, it's going to happen to you, too. Oh, no. They had, uh, it was Senior Sunday at church, and uh, all I could go is, crap, in five years. <laughs> Maggie will be graduating, and, oh, yeah. It goes fast. It does. I'm. It's hard to believe I'm, she's going to be in high school soon, and. Well, I've got one. I've got. <laughs> I've got. I've got one right behind him. For those of you that are curious, because obviously this is a time of year when people are announcing things. Jacob has made the decision that he does not want to attend college. I am very supportive of that. His mother is very supportive of that. He will be joining the workforce. I think he will be doing something he doesn't necessarily want to do for a career. That is okay. College will be there down the road if that is what he wants to pursue. Some of you that know Jacob, he is very passionate and interested in theater design and does a lot of work, not only with his high school theater program, but a couple of local theater groups as well. And that's what he wants to do. I think he is slowly but surely understanding that those dream jobs don't start when you're 18, though. Summer's going to be interesting. I have given him a week to enjoy vacation, then he's going to work. Oh, good. And if anybody wonders, you can talk to me in late June. I'll let you know what he's up to. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, again, it's exciting Uh, times and really do mentioned when we did our 50th episode, I I think it was 50, Wendy, that we talked. We talked then about thanking people. I want to thank him again. And Mm -hmm. we'll uh, be excited to see what happens next. Wish Jacob all the all the well and luck in the world. Um, I know he'll he'll find his uh, footing, and uh, yeah, college isn't necessarily the answer. You and I, and we you, need to, you and I know we need that. to stop that little thing. <laughs> you and I know that. I wish my parents felt that way. That was a whole different story, and that's not that's not a podcast we're going to do. <laughs> I, having said that, yeah, enough talk about Jacob because he gets yep. he's going to get his time in this in the spotlight. I am thrilled with tonight's guest. Yeah. I feel like I've known her forever through social. And then we had a chance to actually meet at Namely's HR Redefined. And mm-hmm. she's just amazing. I, I just, I'm a yeah. huge fan. I was so excited. We talked to her about coming on. And so I'm going to let you make the introduction and we will get started. Yes, it was. It was so awesome to hang out with uh, Laura at Namely HR Redefined 19. And I hope that uh, we will get to do it again. Laura is the founder and owner of Eastside Staffing, a boutique recruitment firm focused on the placement of experienced HR professionals. For the last 15 years, Laura has developed a successful career in recruitment and brings an entrepreneurial spirit and passion for building relationships. She is committed to and passionate about the talent acquisition space and is always looking for new ways to innovate and best support her HR network. Laura recognized a need in the marketplace for her HR recruitment expertise 
and decided to create a consultative recruitment firm offering a personalized service for both candidates and clients. And in 2013, Eastside Staffing was born. Laura, welcome to the show tonight. Our first question is what's in your glass? Thank you so much for having me and for the kind words. I'm so excited and congratulations to Jacob tomorrow. That's a very big deal. So tonight I'm just drinking New York City tap water, staying hydrated. We've got some heat wave coming through this week and it's good to drink your water. Drink your water. Definitely stay hydrated. (laughs) Exactly. We've had that same heat wave and it stinks because summer just, we skipped spring. Pulling the curtain back, we're recording this in May and it's just hot. It's like 90 in Virginia. I know we don't talk about weather, but you said it and I'm drinking water too to be ready. (laughs) Laura, you know, as I mentioned, I feel like I've known you for a long time through all these different social platforms. And I don't know a lot of your backstory, though. Tell us a little bit how you got started in recruiting and then what led you to start Eastside Staffing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to share a little bit of my story. So I graduated from college in 2003 from Wisconsin, go Badgers. I had grown up in New York and went to the Midwest for college and just loved the culture in the Midwest and wanted to stay longer. So I moved to Chicago upon graduation, which a lot of my friends were doing at that time. And as most recent grads need, I needed a job, similar to Jacob's feeling right now. And so I went to a local temp agency and said, you know, what are my options as a recent grad? What are some choices that I have? Initially, I thought I might want to get into television production and decided that really wasn't what I wanted. So anyway, the temp agency said, why don't you just help us? We could use some help in this office and you could learn a little bit about what we do. And, you know, that was 15 plus years ago. I loved it and it really suited all of my skills. So basically, I started as a temp at the temp agency and slowly built my way up from there. So it was a fun entryway into recruitment. And of course, it's changed a ton in the last 15 years as well, as have I. So Eastside Staffing started, basically, I was 10 years into my career. I was working for a global recruitment firm for five plus years. And I joined there in 2007, which you both probably remember was a real height of the market. So kind of everybody was hiring HR professionals. It was just an exciting time. So we had 20 recruiters in New York placing HR pros. And I was just so excited to be a part of that. And then lo and behold, the following year, we hit the recession. And you know, I'll spare you all of the sad details of that time. But we went through a number of layoffs. We lived through a lot of attrition. And by 2012, I was the last person remaining from that original team. And I was, for all intents and purposes, running their HR practice by myself on a bank of desks in a little corner of a floor <laughs> and realized, well, this, this is strange, right? I sort of miss what we had, but I'm also really aware that this is now my passion and I'm clearly doing it on my own, which I'm enjoying. And I think it was one of those career crossroads where you wonder, where am I going from here? And I thought this is probably the right time to launch my own business. I have 10 years of experience. I've been recruiting specifically HR for five of those years. Let's just do it. So I resigned and I launched Eastside Staffing, celebrated my six-year anniversary this past March. That's fantastic. I love that you saw what you wanted and uh, saw a need and and are deciding to fill it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was a time in the market where I think candidates and clients were starting to voice to me that they wanted a deeper level of service. And it was clear that, you know, in some of these larger companies where it's very much volume oriented, you can't provide that. And so I knew that 
on my own, I was really able to define the structure how I wanted to so that I could give, you know, the HR community really the depth of service that they were looking for. That's great because we don't always, we can sometimes do great for others, but we don't always focus on our own. (laughs) Exactly. So talk a little bit, since you focus on HR placement, talk a little bit about the challenges you face from a business perspective. I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, Wendy. It is very hard for HR professionals to hire for their own team. And it sounds strange, right? It's like, how come a shoemaker never has shoes of his own? I think it's hard because you are so focused on everyone else as an HR community. And sometimes you sort of forget to look at your own team and evaluate what you need. There's kind of a twofold challenge. I think the first one really relates to budget, right? So sometimes HR leaders will say to me, you know, I need this strategic HR business partner with these dynamic skills, and they'll go on and on describing their perfect candidate to me. And then when I ask what the budget is for the salary, you know, it's sixty or $70,000 under where it should be. And I think, okay, this is not a good thing, right? And I think that that's unfortunate. I think it's something HR leaders are working on. How do we advocate for what our team needs? How do we advocate to our CFO, to our CEO, and make sure we have the budget that we need? So even using an external recruiter like me, you know, sometimes it's an expense that they don't, they can't afford in the HR or they, they don't think they can afford it, but they'll happily use a service like mine for sales or for marketing or for tech. And so that's been a big challenge for me and my clients to overcome is, you know, why is recruitment an important cost? Why are we spending money on it? Why does the HR team deserve that level of service? And I think we're getting there, but it's certainly been a journey. But I think the other the other challenge that I would see more often than I would like is that, you know, it's hard for HR leaders to sometimes take direction when they want to know everything about hiring. So it's important for me to build trust and it takes time to give them the feedback that they need to coach them the way that they need. You know, everybody wants to improve their hiring process. Everybody wants to attract better talent. But not everybody's willing to receive the feedback required or really to have those kind of moments to self-reflect and say, what's my role in this process? Am I contributing to our challenge? Am I making it harder? Kind of, you know, the, the combination, I think, of really getting the budgets where they need to be and also kind of getting the mindset to where it needs to be are the biggest challenges. Laura, you mentioned you felt like things had really changed since you first started, even in the last many years, starting your own business. I guess talk a little bit about some of the trends that you are seeing when it comes to talent acquisition with your customers, with other HR professionals that you interact with. Kind of what are you seeing and any advice that you could share with corporate recruiters that listen to the show? Absolutely. I don't want to talk about tech because I think we're talking about it a little too much sometimes. And the other thing I think we're talking about a lot, which is okay, is candidate experience. I think we're all very well informed now about what candidates need and want. And we've done an excellent job on that front. I think where we're still struggling and where I'd love to help more corporate talent acquisition professionals is around the hiring manager experience. You know, are we yesing people to death or are we really contributing advice and guidance? I can't even tell you how often throughout a week an internal recruiter will call me and say, oh, this hiring manager is being so difficult You know, they're taking forever to give me feedback. They're whatever. They're doing an awful job at interviewing. Their budget is so way off. And I'll say, you know, what feedback are you giving them? What advice are you giving them? And the response is really, I'm scared to. I don't want to. They don't want to hear it. And so there's a disconnect between 
talent acquisition pros sometimes being order takers and not being as consultative as they should be. And I think they have the knowledge. They're just a little scared to bring it to the hiring manager. And I really want to see more of us doing that because most hiring managers I know are grateful for the guidance. They genuinely want it, but they're probably not going to come out and ask for it, right? So we have to be a bit more assertive in that. And I, I think the things candidates are asking for, like flex time and remote work and you know, all of these wonderful things, it's really the hiring managers who can make those changes. So it's wonderful that we're hearing candidates, but what are we doing with that information? And I think it's our job in recruitment to push hiring managers to make these changes and really explain to them how important it is. We have to teach them, not fear them. That's really my philosophy. Laura, do you think it's because we put too much of that into the hiring manager's role where we ask them to tell us what we what they want rather than us saying here's what the process is here's how I'm going to help you from the very get go and setting those expectations from the beginning rather we we wait till the job comes in we post it and then we get frustrated because well you're not following the process the way you should but then we're not telling right. them what the process even right. should be right Right. I mean, we're not taking charge. Right. So it's like it's the same reason we talk about strategic HR business partner roles versus maybe the old kind of more traditional HR generalist model. It's the same thing happening in talent acquisition. Are we just doing the transactional tasks at the desk? Are we posting the job and collecting the resumes and sending them to the manager? Or are we leading and guiding the process? Are we educating? Are we influencing? Are we brainstorming? And yeah, I agree. I think probably not enough for sure. I think, I think there's a fear, but I think the hiring managers are happy to have the input. It's not like they're the ones saying, you know, I'm the leader of this hiring process. Do as I say. I think thankfully those days are probably behind us, but now it's kind of in our seat to say, okay, so hiring manager, I understand there's a new search. Let's sit down. Let's go over everything. Here's how it's going to look. I'm going to put together an interview guide for you. We're going to train the interviewers. We're going to talk about unconscious bias and really have a proper intake meeting and not just sit there and smile and say, sure, Mr. Client, whatever you say, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not helping them, right? It's, but right. it's fear-based in my opinion. I've never really seen it done for any other reason than I think recruiters are scared. They don't want to rattle anything. They don't want to shake the boat. We, we don't want to upset the hiring managers. Yeah, but they're, but they, if they don't be. like us then they won't work <laughs> with us and, or they won't be right. nice to us. Right. We want to be liked more than we want to be influential. And I think by being influential, we end up being liked. Yeah. Just do it. I know I've had to tell a few of my hiring managers, just, just trust me by me taking one day to spend 15 minutes with that candidate before you see their resume it's going to be a much better experience for you. And yeah. they are slowly figuring it out. <laughs> exactly. And really having that kind of dialogue with your hiring managers to say, look, mm -hmm. if I get some negative feedback from the interviewees on what went on in that room or what you might have asked, can I give it to you? Are you ready for it? And I'll, I will make sure that they're ready. And then when I get that feedback of, oh, you know, Bob was on his cell phone when he was interviewing me or daydreaming or whatever. Mm -hmm. then I feel comfortable to share that feedback because I've already set the precedent of this is how we're going to do it. You want to improve your hiring experience for candidates, then you have to also take a role in this. It's not just general speak. It's, you know, me, you, and them, real people in this room. I think it's deepening the connections and having 
sort of a more intimate relationship as opposed to it being really transactional. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, Laura, as uh, John mentioned earlier in the podcast, we all met online. We all met on Twitter, which is phenomenal. We love that. And so you've been a very active part of the community, and I really appreciate that. What led you to first take part, and what's best been the best thing to come from it? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we all met on Twitter, and I'm so grateful for <laughs> it. It's been my favorite of all of the platforms. You know, the three that I'm most active in is LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And LinkedIn is really probably my main hub for recruitment. So I have, you know, over 80,000 followers at this point, and it's a really strong curated HR network. And that's probably where I get the most kind of ROI for my business, right? Candidates, clients, lead generation, candidate sourcing, that kind of thing. But Twitter and then kind of the third in place, Instagram, those two have been much more fun for my own personal development. So on Twitter, I've been able to meet folks like you two and many others who've really added so much to my life professionally where I'm able to be the one asking questions and brainstorming and getting advice and I think it's created such an amazing global network where it's not just limited to where you live and what you do, but you can meet people, I mean, all across the globe. And it's just, you know, this week on Twitter, we saw Steve Brown in the UK and he was meeting all of his Twitter friends from all across England who came to see him. And I just thought, wow, this is so amazing. And that's not something LinkedIn can offer, but I think LinkedIn's got its other perks. So you sort of need to be on all of them (laughs) for different reasons. That's true because it's well, they each serve their own purpose, and so we need to we need to focus on that. Well, Laura, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half-hour question connection. We'll kick it off with who was your first professional mentor, and what was the most important or impactful thing you learned from them. You know, this question was actually pretty hard for me. And I thought, well, this is a good moment for me to be really vulnerable with you two, because I don't know that I've ever really had a professional mentor. And it forced me to think about why that is. And I realized when I started in recruitment, you know, the external recruitment market was still very much a competitive cutthroat kind of place. And luckily, I think it's changed in many organizations, certainly not in all of them. But I was taught in a culture where, you know, you need to beat each other. You are competing with your peers. Your performance is the most important thing. And so there wasn't a culture where you could ask for advice or get coached or learn. It was like perform, produce. And I thrived in that because I was young and learning and, you know, probably have a competitive side to me as well. But as I've gotten older, and certainly in the last six years since I launched the business, I have been really grateful for the mentors I'm gaining even in my peer communities. Some of the colleagues that I had in my previous company have gone off to also start their own firm or they've gone corporate. And I've been really grateful for all of us getting together, You know, whether it's monthly. Today, I met with one of my previous colleagues for a few hours, and we'll just brainstorm and get advice from each other. And that's been a really safe space. And I guess, you know, I'm saddened that I didn't have that safe environment in the early part of my career, but I am grateful I do now. And I think it's a good reminder for me that we really need to make sure that talent acquisition and HR professionals are not forgotten when it comes to things like mentors and teachers. I mean, we need them too. It was interesting when I thought about this question, I realized, you know, that's something I never really had until now. And I guess better late than never. Laura, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? 
There's one person I'm so grateful to know, and her name is Marina Bezanova. On Twitter, we find her at Pronexia, P-R-O-N-E-X-I-A. And she is a co-founder of a recruitment firm based in Montreal, Canada. And Marina and I also met on Twitter and really hit it off right away. And she was going to be in New York for a meeting. And we met in person and we talked for probably three hours and laughed and brainstormed. And we just had so much in common. But I also, you know, I kind of consider her now to be one of these mentors that I'm mentioning. She's really smart. She's really fun. But what I love most about her is she's really generous in her spirit. And she's also pretty provocative about the topics that she'll bring up around recruitment. She's not scared to push back on this hiring manager. She's not scared to say no to business that doesn't suit her or isn't aligned with their business philosophy. So she's someone who's been really great for me in terms of challenging my thought process on, you know, worthiness and being a female business owner. I would definitely recommend that everybody connect with her too. Falora, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? I have a quote on my desk that I think is this advice. And it says, when you say yes to someone else, make sure you are not saying no to yourself. And that is really something I did not know early in my career. I said yes to everyone, to everything. I wanted to please everybody. I was burning myself out massively as a people pleaser and as someone who really was an order taker and was trying to make everybody happy. And I've learned that frankly, you have to choose your partnerships wisely. You have to have boundaries. You have to know your worth. And you can say no sometimes if the project doesn't suit you or if you're not able to do it. I think it's really important to be able to say no and not just feel this need to constantly be performing and serving and doing. How do you enjoy giving back to the community, Laura? You know, the nicest way for me to give back is to candidates that I'm not placing. So you can imagine an external recruitment. You know, we only place so many people throughout a year, but there are tons of candidates that come our way. You know, throughout a week, I might get 50, 60 emails or emails from people I've never met in the HR community who want my advice on their resume or their job search tactics, or they just really want some coaching around how to plan their next move. And so I try and make some time each week for a few calls or a few coffee meetings. Even if I know I can't personally place them, I feel as if I can give them some advice and guidance and coaching that in some ways I'm giving back. And it's been really gratifying to know that, you know, some of them have come back to me years later and say, the advice you gave me has been really helpful or really helped me at a time when I was at a crossroads or a pivot in my career. It's a little way that I'm able to give back, but it's also something I really, you know, enjoy doing. Laura, what's your favorite movie? I love a good romantic comedy. The first movie that came to my mind was Under the Tuscan Sun, but I also love The Holiday, Something's Gotta Give. I love a good romantic comedy when there's a good cast. So, you know, a Jack Nicholson and a Diane Keaton, those are always great movies to me. How about your favorite musician or band? I do listen to all music, but I was thinking that when I put on music, like if I'm sourcing or working, it's always 90s and early 2000 hip hop. It'll be the Fugees or Blackstreet or the old school Jay-Z. It just keeps me really upbeat and energized and excited. You know, if I need to relax, I can do classical or sometimes country or something completely different, like a spa CD or spa station on Pandora. I guess I'm not listening to CDs anymore, but I wish I was. 
Um, yeah, I, I love a good R&B and hip hop. I think it's fun. I think it's good to kind of feel like you can dance at the desk a little bit too. And what's your favorite TV show? Currently, I'm really enjoying Young Sheldon. I think the writing is super witty and the cast is really good. I also, I mean, my favorite kind of all time is probably the Golden Girls. It just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Even if I've seen the episode 20 times, I laugh. But I, I mean, I'll watch anything. I love Chopped on Food Network. I love a good Real Housewives on Bravo. I think at the end of the day, I just want something that's mindless and funny and relaxing. Well, Laura, you know, I always look for a connection. I can't remember who was in Under the Tuscan Sun. That's not Keanu Reeves, is it? Is he in that? It's Diane Lane. Okay. Basically, That's definitely Diane not Keanu Lane. Reeves. No. Yeah, she gets divorced and she moves to Tuscany and she buys a house and falls in love. And it's just a very... Laura, the book is phenomenal. I highly recommend the book. Yeah, it's much better I've than the movie. I have read it. Okay. I will read it. It has recipes. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it's safe to that. say this is the first episode where we've ever mentioned the book is better than the movie or that you've read <laughs> that we've read a book that is a movie. Is it, Wendy, is that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. It's odd that I, we've, I don't know that we've talked about many movies that have been made out of books, though, or books that have been made out of. That's true. That's true. No one's mentioned Harry Potter. It would have come up if someone had said Harry Potter was your favorite <laughs> yes. movie series. Well, I think Lorena Pavon, didn't she say Harry Potter was her favorite movie? I can't remember. Uh, there's been movies. a lot. There's been a lot, but everybody's uh, where homework assignment is to read Under the Tuscan Sun to get yes. the rest. <laughs> yes. If you aren't watching those types of movies, you're not listening to that 90s and early 2000s hip hop or watching The Golden Girls, which I also <laughs> appreciate very, very much. What else do you like to do outside of work? Yeah, I like to try and recreate all these things in real life, I think. I have family and friends in Italy, which is really exciting. So this past April, I went there and worked for the month in Italy. And I was so grateful for Wi-Fi and for the iPhone. You can really work from anywhere. And so that was a very exciting journey for me. And I think that that's really what I love to do outside of work. Eat Italian food, <laughs> travel, be with people I love. And yeah, I mean, cooking and eating, it's just a pleasure. And when you're doing it in Italy, it's really on another level of joy. I also do a lot of yoga to counteract all of the eating. <laughs> balance. It's all about helpful. balance. All about the balance. Yes. Exactly. And, and more than one meaning there, too. So, Laura, if you weren't working in recruiting, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? You know what my dream always was ever since I was in high school? I wanted to be like a host, like Oprah. I wanted to be on The View. I thought it would be such an amazing job. And so I'm putting it out in the interview. If, if the, you know, anyone from The View is listening, it could be a nice Democratic New Yorker on there with a good perspective. But yeah, no, I, I always liked the idea of listening to people's perspectives and having conversation. I guess in many ways, it's very similar to recruiting to just hear all these different stories and be an active listener and participate. But yeah, that was always a dream to me just to be contributing somehow. Well, Laura, having met you, having seen your energy in person and your enthusiasm and how you engaged with people while I'm Glad you're not doing that. I could see you being very successful in it. I can't thank you enough for being part of the community mm -hmm. and bringing a different perspective. We know some 
people that work in third party. I wish more of those folks would get involved in the HR community and share because I, I think you have such a great perspective and I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share and you want to be part of something bigger. And I think you and I talked a bit about that at HR Redefined. And I'm hoping that this show, some of those folks that don't know you will now want to get in touch. What's the best way for them to reach you out there? Thanks, John. I know I love staying in touch and I'd love to meet more and more people and keep having these conversations. It's so important that we're all learning. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not done learning myself and I learn from all of you. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at East Side Staff. That's pretty easy. And then of course on LinkedIn, I'm just Laura Mazzullo. I don't really use the East Side Staffing page as much there. Um, and I look forward to meeting you guys all there soon. We will have all that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you? Best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And the fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of the HR Social Hour Twitter chat, 7 p.m. Eastern time, fourth Sunday of each month. How about you, John? HRSocialHourPodcast.Podbean.com. Go to the left-hand side of the screen. You'll see three lines. Click on those lines. It'll open up to all my social accounts. While you're there, if there's an episode that you haven't heard, maybe one of those really old episodes that Jacob edited way back when, you can download directly from the site. You can share. You can review. Again, as we always say, anything you can do to help boost the signal, we appreciate because so many of you do it and have been consistent in that. We can't thank you enough. Again, Laura, appreciate you being with us tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.